Hey church, I believe that you are so ready for God's word today. Uh, I know that this word will not only be an encouragement to you, but it also, um, it will position you to receive uh, the word into your heart, you know. And when you receive this word into your heart today, uh, I believe that the Lord will begin to lead you to apply this word in different areas of your life whenever He sees fit. And every time the Lord leads you to apply this word in, in areas of your life, I believe that your life will experience transformation as it is in heaven. So which means your life, God has a plan for your life and it looks like something in heaven. In God's sight, He has a perfect plan for you and He sees your life mapped out before Him. And it's your responsibility to seek Him according to that plan that He has for you so that that plan in heaven and your, what you're experiencing on the earth matches together. That is God's desire for you today. And I, and I believe that this message will really um, sort of culminate uh, what I've been talking about over the last few weeks on wisdom. Uh, and it will really set you in a position to experience the fullness of what God has in store for you. You know, Jesus in the Gospels, when he's teaching his disciples to pray, he, he says, um, you know, uh, pray, pray like this, you know, Abba Father, the whole thing. And then he says, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're, we're familiar with the concept of on earth as it is in heaven. But I want to I want to present the second side of the coin to you. Uh, and he says, let your will be done. Let your kingdom come and let your will be done. See, the will of God is God's perspective for your life. The will of God is God's wisdom for your life. And when you say, God, not my will, but your will be done. You're saying, God, let what you see in heaven for my life take place, express itself in my life. I'm ready for heaven to invade my life. I'm ready for an invasion of the supernatural. I'm ready for an invasion of, of the blessing that God has, that you have in heaven, that the way you see my life in heaven, I'm ready for that invasion right now. So when you say, Lord, let your will be done, you're saying, let your perspective, how you see my life right now, how you see my future in, in, according to your plan, let it be done. And I believe that that wisdom, ladies and gentlemen, is the door through which heaven invades your life. Wisdom, which is the will of God, which is the perspective of God, which is God's desire for your life, is the door or the gate or, or the way, so to say, through which heaven travels in to impact your life. Jesus uh, in the Gospels, uh, in John chapter 1, he's, he's having a discussion with, um, with, with this guy called Nathaniel, uh, a disciple called, called Nathaniel. And he says uh, to Nathaniel, um, here, here is a man who has no deceit. That's a testimony when God says, you have no deceit in your heart. That's phenomenal. And so, and so Nathaniel says to him, how, how come you know me? How do you know me? I mean, which means he agrees that he has no deceit in his heart. In, in, in our terms, in, in our daily life, we look at a person who is super confident about, 
uh, their life matching heaven and we look at it and term it as pride. No, no, no. That, he's overconfident. No, no, no. He's too, there's too much of that stuff. You know, it can't be so perfect. No, what, what if Christ has, if you're living according to the finished work of the cross, why not? Why not say that my, I have no deceit in my heart? Oh, I have no ill feeling towards other people. I have no, I have no, I don't struggle with sin. I don't struggle with lying. I don't struggle with, with habits. I don't struggle with that stuff. When God comes to you and says, hey, you're a sinless person. There's no sin in you. We, we shouldn't go to God and say, God, forgive me. Lord, I repent. No, no. He's saying, I don't see sin in you. This is the lifestyle of grace. The lifestyle of grace is God sees you according to the finished work of the cross. And when he speaks to you, he speaks to you from the finished work of the cross. So if God sees Nathaniel as a person that has no deceit in him, Nathaniel agrees. And so now we see that, that uh, he, he says this to Nathaniel. And, and so Nathaniel says, how, how come you know me? How do you know me? And Jesus says to him, hey, Nathaniel. Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. And Nathaniel goes, oh my gosh, word of knowledge, prophet. He turns around to Jesus and he says, I believe that you are the son of God. And so Jesus says, wow, you, you, got, you got shocked by that? You were so impressed that quickly by, by what I had to say to you? I give you a simple prophet word of knowledge and you just completely agreed? Well, since you agreed, now you will see greater things. And he begins to describe what those greater things are. He begins to say to Nathaniel, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. He says, you will see angels ascending and descending. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is the perspective of the Father. Christ is the wisdom of the Father being revealed or manifested to all mankind. And when you embrace the wisdom of God, when you say, God, I embrace your will on earth as it is in heaven, now wisdom begins to carry angels, begins to carry the supernatural on its wings and bring that bring it into your life. When you receive, when you seek God's will for your life, when you seek God's wisdom for your life, now angels begin to travel with the perspective of God into your life and begin to work God's perspective into your life. Which means if you believe that you're a person that lives by grace, it means that you don't have to lift a finger in order to accomplish God's will for your life. It means that the angels hear God's perspective over your life and begin to ride on the wings of wisdom. It rides on the wings of wisdom because he says, I see, you will see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Right now, you should be able to, to seek God's will for your life. Seek the wisdom of God and I can see angels ascending and descending over your life. I can see angels coming right now. See, ladies and gentlemen, angels brought the law to Moses. Angels carried the word of God to Mary. See, Jesus traveled in the word of the, in the mouth of the angel. And, and when he spoke to Mary and he said, you will be, you will carry a child and his name will be Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And she said, be it unto me according to your word. See, we, we, you must understand the angelic realm works very closely with the wisdom. The wisdom of God, the will of God, when God releases it, 
It is the doorway, but it's also the, the very vessel, the, the, the very vessel in which, through which God brings in the angelic realm, the assistance that you need in order for God's will to be accomplished in your life. Hey, I'm telling you, the month of May is a phenomenal month and you're going to experience uh, the, the realm of the supernatural like you've never experienced before. In, 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 you know, the, the seasons are changing all over the world, but in heaven there is only one season. It's, it's, it's the season of abundance. And I, and I really believe that, that as a church, as a group of people, as, as you're watching Life Church Global, wherever you are in the world, and you're, you're submitting to this, to this word that, that we're releasing, I really believe that as you, you create a desire for the wisdom of God in your life, you will begin to experience the angelic realm. Angels are beginning to visit you right now. Angels are beginning to come into your house. And you're going to host angels only because you're hosting hosting wisdom. You're hosting the will of God. You're hosting God's perspective for your life. I want to encourage you church, don't be, don't have a passive attitude towards the wisdom of God. Have a great hunger and a, and a, and a high value for wisdom. So the title of my message today is the supremacy of wisdom. Okay, so I would love for you to open your Bibles to Proverbs uh, chapter 4. And I'm going to take you from the Old Testament into the New today. And it is going to be awesome. Alright, Proverbs chapter 4. And we'll read from verses 1 to 7. And Solomon writes this saying, Hear, my children, the instruction of a father. And give attention to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine. Come on, that is, that is awesome. Do not forsake my law. When I was my father's son, tender and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Come on now. This is, this is awesome. Then he says in verse 5, get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Wow. Love her and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom and in all you're getting, get understanding. So we'll just pause here for a, for a few minutes and then we'll take it on uh, into verse 8 a little bit later but here we see Solomon uh, is writing to us he's not yet started giving out his proverbs or his wisdom but he's actually telling us hey guys you know just like David his father sat with his father I sat with my father when I was the only child you must understand before Bathsheba had more sons of David she had Solomon out of wedlock and so now Solomon was very dear to, to David's heart and David began to, David recognized that God had chosen Solomon to be king after David. And so because of that, he began to impart into him his wisdom, wisdom that he learned from his father and wisdom that he learned from God, his heavenly father, whom he loved with all his heart. He began to now impart that or teach that into his 
son. It's so important for us to understand, you know, the role that parents play, the role that teachers, mentors, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, you know, the pastors, leaders, uh, life coaches, the, the role that we play in, in, in people's lives, you know, in our children's lives. The, the, we, we, it's not only just about teaching them wisdom, but also to create an appetite or a high value for wisdom. In verse 4, Solomon says, uh, he, he also taught me and said to me, let your heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. This is very important for, for parents, teachers, mentors to understand that it's not only about giving people wisdom, but also creating in them a desire for wisdom. See, if, if, if you understand that wisdom is like a river that is flowing. But if you don't know, if you don't have a vessel, so to say, to tap into that river, you won't get wisdom and you won't be able to retain wisdom. I, I'll illustrate this in, a, in, a, in another way. If, if, you, if, you, if, you, if I were to submit this to you and I would say that you are a well and a desire for wisdom is like a well in your heart. And if you dig that well deep enough, you will tap into wisdom. So a desire for wisdom is like you digging a well. It's not, you've not tapped into wisdom yet. You've just created a high value, a desire. Oh my God, I love wisdom. You wake up in the morning desiring wisdom. You go to sleep at night desiring wisdom. You watch a movie desiring wisdom. You, you read a book, you desire wisdom. You talk to people, you desire wisdom. From the time you wake up till the time you go to sleep, even in your dreams, you desire wisdom. That is how you create a desire, a deep well for wisdom. Once you dig the well deep enough, you will tap into a river called wisdom. Every Christian has access to wisdom. Wisdom is not only accessible because your pastor has access to wisdom or your mom and dad have access to wisdom. If you are saved, if you belong to Jesus, you, are, you, you have access to that river. See, just because you have access to that river, but he gives you the choice to dig that well so that you can now get access to that river. The choice, God works in partnership really well. He doesn't give wisdom to someone who does not have a desire for wisdom. In the, in the, in the Gospels, Jesus gives a rough illustration and he says, don't throw pearls before swine. Why? Because they'll trample over it. See, when you give wisdom to a person who does not have a desire for wisdom, they will only receive it as knowledge and they will walk away from it and they will not place a value on it. But a person who has a deep desire, a deep well, a deep, a, a, a real great desire for wisdom, now will recognize that this is the word of God and will treasure not only wisdom, but also the source of that wisdom. See, a lot of times we, we don't have honor for people who are, uh, who are covering or we don't have honor for people because we, we just think, oh, okay, you know, I, I am in charge of my life and I know what's best for my life. And, in, and I'm sure you do and I'm sure you have desires and all of that kind of stuff. But if you don't honor the generation before you, you will not tap into what wisdom God gave that generation. 
You must understand, you can't dishonor your mom and dad, you can't dishonor your pastor, you can't dishonor uh, the leaders who are before you, your life coaches, just because they are older and they're from a different generation and they wear baggy pants instead of, uh, you know, slim fit jeans and, and they don't have tattoos and, and they don't believe in listening to rock music and drinking wine. Because of all of that stuff, you create a dishonor in your heart. And let me tell you something, wisdom matures from generation to generation. The wisdom that was on my mom and dad's life or my spiritual father's life now matures when I create a deep desire for it. I created, you create a deep desire for wisdom. Now that well begins to tap into different people's lives. And when you place an honor on their life, you tap into a double portion of what wisdom was on their life. It's a maturing, maturing wisdom. You must understand that wisdom is a supreme thing. Wisdom is supreme. There is nothing that is compared to wisdom. So which means that parents have a responsibility. You have a responsibility. Your teachers have a responsibility. Life coaches have a responsibility. We can't just give knowledge to people and think that, hey, hold on a minute, they did, you know, they just take, go study, man, go do your work, you know, just study, do your studies and yeah, okay, cool, you'll get your first class and, and your 99.9.9, you know, results and in your report card and then you wonder why they make silly mistakes in their life. Because you lacked the ability to sit down with them and impart a desire for wisdom. A lot of times we sit down and we'll say, oh, you know, I want to talk to my children about life and I want to talk about, yeah, you talk about all the bad things but you, you, you and, and how what you've learned from your life and, and the mistakes that you made and all that kind of stuff. And it's good. It's good that you do that. But if you've not created a desire, a well in them for wisdom, all of it is just water on duck's back. And now we set our children up for failure because they are now pushed into a world of the unknown where they have no wisdom they have knowledge, but they lack any experience. They have no discernment and they go out as sheep amongst wolves. And we wonder why our children are so far away from God. And we wonder why they, they look for love in the wrong places. It's only because we've not created a deep desire in their heart for wisdom. Why? Because wisdom wasn't a supreme thing for you. See, when wisdom is, is supreme, it's the only thing that you desire more than money, more than wealth, more than riches, more than prosperity itself. When you desire wisdom and you've created this deep well, now that well, that, that river begins to be the very source of life to everyone that meets you, not only your children, but even the, the guy at the petrol station begins to drink off that river of life. Only because wisdom is a supreme thing. See, Wisdom, you've got to understand that you've got to create a high value for it by digging that well deep, but also that you've got to sacrifice for it. There is a price to pay for it. And we're going to go deep into that right now. So he says in verse 5, get wisdom. Tell your neighbor, get wisdom. Get understanding. So which means get God's perspective. Do whatever you can to get God's perspective and God's discernment so that you can bring transformation into your life. And then he says, do not forget. How many of us remember the wisdom we've received from our parents? 
How many of us have received? How many of us remember the message that Pastor John taught on the first Life Church me- meeting? How many of us remember last week's message? See, it, it's knowledge to some who haven't created a desire for wisdom. But if wisdom was a deep, deep desire, my God, you would remember every single thing because you've treasured it. You're not just forgetting it. It's not like, oh, okay, forget it, man. Like, what's next? What's next? Oh, what's for dinner? No, 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 no. I don't forget what my spiritual father tells me. I don't forget what my mom and dad told me. I fight for it. I've, they've paid a price for it. I, my honor for them values the price that they've paid. You've got to understand that a person who receives wisdom has already paid a price for it. They've already laid down their life in order to receive wisdom. When they've received wisdom, now you benefit from it only through honor. Now he says, do not forget it, nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Wow. And she will preserve you, which means that he's saying wisdom is a person. Wisdom, listen to me very carefully now. Wisdom can feel what you feel about it. Wisdom knows how you feel about it. Wisdom can actually experience the love that you have for wisdom. Wisdom can actually experience the, the, the desire that you have for it, whether it's genuine or just because Pastor John told you today. <laughs> wisdom can feel it because it's a person. Let me tell you something. When God speaks a word, that word is a divine being called wisdom that comes into your life and begins to have an intimate relationship with you. You can cheat on that relationship by giving your heart away to every other word that comes your way. And he and wisdom, she knows how you feel. You must understand that that when that's why he, it's, it's for me Kelsey means everything to me. I would give up I would give up my life for Kelsey. Why? Because I value her life more than mine. But because I know she values my life more than hers. Now I take care of myself and I present myself in such a way that reveals to her that I value her. See, it's the same thing with wisdom. When you begin to live according to the wisdom, when you create a desire in your heart for wisdom, you, you pay a price for it. You, you, you desire it. You, you, you sleep over it. You think over it. You don't, you don't just, you know, it's not just Bible reading. It's a person. You interact with it. You talk to it. You have a relationship with it. You go deep. You use what wisdom says as as the very words of God to you. You apply it. You you don't just walk into grocery a grocery store and you say, well, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy that and I'm gonna buy that. I'm like, oh, you know, I'm gonna no no. When you have a relationship with wisdom, you walk into a grocery store and wisdom begins to lead you according to what God wants you to eat. You walk into a gym, you don't listen to the fitness instructor. You can if you want, I'm not, I don't have a problem. But God knows exactly what type of exercises you need to do in order for you to live a long life. A lot of people, a fitness instructor might have an agenda. You need to lose weight. No, God needs your heart to function better. And He has certain exercises for you. Now, 
I'm not saying that, you know, a lot of people have a lot of knowledge and they sound like they have a lot of wisdom. And those people need a fitness instructor. Those people need a life coach. Those need a, those people need a spiritual father. Those people need uh, someone to, to really, they need to grow in honor in their life. You know, you, let me tell you something. You will see a person who operates out of knowledge when they have no honor for the people who are their covering. And they claim that it is wisdom, but it's not. When you, are, when you have a deep desire for, uh, for wisdom, honor in your heart will grow to such a degree only because you've paid a price for wisdom. You know the value that you have for wisdom. We're only on verse 5. Verse 6 <laughs> says, Do not forsake her and she will preserve you. Love her. He's talking about wisdom. It's not just a perspective now. We started by talking about wisdom as a perspective and it's good. But now that perspective is a person. You love her and she will keep you. Hello, come on, man. It's not like only love, 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 love. Now you love her and she begins to take care of you. Oh, this is powerful. Then he goes on to say, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. Wisdom is the principal thing. Principal thing means wisdom is supreme. Not supreme like the clothes brand, but wisdom is supreme, which means it's above everything else. Wisdom is so supreme that it was the first. It's like the firstborn in a family. You know, my sister is the firstborn. Moira is the firstborn in the family. There's a certain way she speaks. There's a certain authority that she has in the family. There's a way that she communicates that, that tells all the rest of us to fall in line. <laughs> but at the same time, you must understand that wisdom is the, is before the beginning, wisdom was. In fact, wisdom created the beginning. It was through wisdom that God created all things, which means that, that the foundation of all things is wisdom. So which means in order for things to function in your life, you need a good foundation called wisdom. And he says wisdom, and because wisdom is supreme, you have to put a demand on yourself to place worth on wisdom. You've got to put a, 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 an expectation for you to honor wisdom. Because, only because it's, it's the supreme thing. It's the only thing that can give you life. Come on now. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, get wisdom. Get it. Which means you were not born with it. Yeah. And that word get uh, in Hebrew is the word kana. Not kana, like food, like kana, okay, in Hebrew. And what it really means, that word get actually means is a commercial term. And when, when I say commercial term, I'm talking about the word get means to buy something, which means to take money and exchange, to trade. When he says get wisdom, wisdom doesn't come for free. You've got to pay a price for it. There has to be a transaction, ladies and gentlemen. There has to be a give and a take, not a take and a give. Yeah. 
A lot of times we think that, oh, you know, because there are verses in the Bible that says so, that God loves us first and because He loves us, therefore we can love. I get it. But when we talk about wisdom, wisdom has a price. And in order for you to get the, the supreme thing, God doesn't just give it cheaply away. There is a price to pay for it. And so here now, we must understand, he's saying, get wisdom, guys, get it. Pay a price, buy it. So some of us might be, some analytical guys might be like, okay, how much money? How much do I give for this? Because in the Bible, in the book of Acts, people came, how do I buy this power? And so you, I want to you know, remind you of a, of a prophecy in the book of Isaiah chapter 55, where God says, come and buy. Everybody's okay with that part. And he says, without money. Come and buy without money. If you're thirsty, that's how it starts. It starts, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me. Come to me and come and buy. Come and buy without using money. Okay, God, this is very confusing because we understand how things work on the earth. But in heaven, it's a little different. You, you buy, there's a transaction, there's a trade that takes place. You, you give something of yourself and he gives you something of himself. And most times he wants the junk. Come on now. Most times he wants the knowledge that leads to perishing. Most times he wants the, the wisdom of the world that is foolish. Okay, now please, the, the book of Corinthians says that God has determined, God has established that the wisdom of this world is foolishness. We can't do anything about it. He determined. He's God. He's, in His wisdom, He determined that the wisdom of the world sucks. So we'll, we have to be okay with it. If He decided that, now there is a trade that He wants us to do. So he, there is something that we have to offer to Him in order for us to receive wisdom. What is that? We, all the experience that I have, all the knowledge, all the good knowledge, all the bad knowledge, all the good experiences, all the bad experiences, all the stuff that I've gained, all the knowledge that I've gained through my life, God, I come to you and I'm making a divine exchange only because it is not my will, but it is your will be done in my life. And so when we position this, now, please don't think that you have to do all of it at one time. Wisdom, you mature in wisdom. It's a relationship. You get to know her. You add, the more you give to wisdom, the more you begin to get to know her. She gives you of herself. And when she gives you of herself, now she begins to manifest Christ in your life. So you no longer live as the old man, but you're transformed into the new creation that is Jesus Christ. So there's this, there's this parable in, in, that Jesus teaches in the Gospels where he talks about this man that the kingdom of God is like a man who went out into a field and he was digging in the field and found a treasure. And then he goes and he sells. Listen to this now. He sells all he has and goes and buys the field. Come on now. Why did he buy the field? Because it was the treasure in the field that made the field valuable. Oof. What is the treasure in you? God so loved the world that He gave, right? Why you? Because He deposited His Son in you. 
And so because he decided before the foundation of the world that you are going to be saved, it meant that before you even sinned, he had already deposited Christ in you. Come on, man. Even before you were born, he had already deposited Christ in you. Even before Adam and Eve sinned, he had already deposited Christ in you. And so because he had done that before the foundation of the world, now he bought the field. Hello, whatever size you are, you belong to him. He bought the field, whatever you look like, whatever color, how many ever thorns and thistles and rocks there is in that field. Guess what? He belongs. He owns the field. Come on now. But just because he owns the field doesn't mean that he's not going to do anything with the field. He's going to start digging the ground like Kelsey was talking about. He's going to start removing those. Hey, there's a, can you give me that rock in your life? Not Jesus. The other one that you think is Jesus. Ooh. The other one that you thought was that you so loved, but it was just knowledge wasn't wisdom. Yeah. Okay. It's just, can, you, can, we, can we have an exchange? Because I've got something, I've got more treasure to fill into that land. Amen. I, I've got a, I want to make you the most valuable possession in my kingdom. Because he possesses you, that's why he get, I mean, oh my gosh, we're all possessed in the sense that, you know, God, God has given us his spirit. The spirit of God possesses the land. The spirit of God possesses your body. If the spirit of God possesses you, there's no more room for any other spirit to possess you. Which means he completely owns you. So live like you are owned by God. Live like, like he, he, that you belong to Him. Your life belongs to Him. Your past, your present, your future completely belongs to Him. Don't pretend like it belongs to you. Because when you pretend that your life belongs to you, then you truly never surrendered your life to God. You're truly not saved. You're just living the Christian life. But actually salvation is not an experience and a faith walk. It says wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. There is nothing more valuable in life towards global than wisdom. I'm setting the value. This is a this is the highest value now in our church. There are high values. God, God's presence, God's word, God's people. Next one, wisdom. Get wisdom. Touch your neighbor and say, get wisdom. So when you, when you dig deep and you find wisdom, you build a well around it. You see Abraham, every time in the Old Testament, every time they found water, they dug a well around it, a border around it, so that it could contain, retain the wisdom or the water that was in that well. And every family that came and lived near that well, that well was named after that family. You must understand that wisdom is a, is a river that runs, that connects all the wells that are in every Christian's life. Every Christian that creates a desire for wisdom taps into that same river that Jesus was talking about. It's the river of life. And, but at the same time, you can have a well that has no walls, or you can just have the river, a well that goes deep and the water just flows out. Yeah. Your responsibility is to build walls around that 
that well so that you can contain the water that is in there you can contain the wisdom see let me tell you something whenever you need wisdom you have a source that you can tap into and that water never runs dry that wisdom never runs dry and so he says therefore get wisdom buy it man pay something to get it and in all you're getting get understanding why exalt her wow and she will promote you you want a promotion you want a promotion at work you want a promotion in the church you want a promotion in any organization you are you you want your business to be promoted don't do marketing get wisdom exalt wisdom and she will promote you she is the greatest marketing professional that ever exists she is the greatest media professional. There's no bias in her. There's no fake news or, you know, all that kind of stuff with, with, when it comes to wisdom. Why? Because it's pretty simple. God has a plan. You've agreed to the plan. You've signed a contract in the blood of Jesus. Now it's my responsibility to promote you. Every time I promote you, I'm revealing Christ to the world. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. Come on now. Wisdom. Exalt her. She will promote you. She will bring you honor when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she will deliver to you. It's amazing, man. When, when we look at Solomon, when he's writing this proverb, he's saying, hey guys, I'm telling you what my dad told me, which means more than all the proverbs here, this proverb is rich it's very deep and so when the, he says hey listen pay a price for wisdom let me show you how solomon paid a price the first time solomon paid a price for wisdom you know he 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 went up to the high places and when he went up to the high places he were he burnt offerings to god and god visits him Right, you, I hope you remember that. Now, I want you to go to First um, Kings chapter 9 right now. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all, Sol all of Solomon's desire which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time. Wow! As he also appeared to him at Gibeon. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. Now, if you read the previous chapter, we don't see Solomon praying anything. We don't see Solomon saying, Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. And it, nothing. He doesn't use his words. What kind of an offering did Solomon do? What kind of a prayer did Solomon give to the Lord? What kind of a supplication did Solomon give to the Lord without using words? And it's actually in chapter 8, and verse 63, it says this, And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings. Look at what his sacrifice was, which he offered to the Lord. 22,000 bulls. Just stop there. Just think about how many bulls did Solomon have? Where did they come from? This guy was super rich, but he figured out, I know how to get a visitation. I know how to get wisdom to visit me. 22,000 bulls, one 
120,000 sheep probably from New Zealand so the king and all the children of Israel dedicated the house to the Lord on the same day the king consecrated the middle of the court that was in the front of the house of the Lord for there he offered burnt offerings grain offerings and the fat of the peace offerings come on this has to be some fat in there in some offering at all fat is good ladies and gentlemen right so he got God's attention by the offering he made when you give your offering to God does it even get God's attention okay please where I'm going this is not the law I'm going to grace just wait okay I'm just submitting to you what Solomon did in order for him to get an encounter with God today we're giving you hey ladies and gentlemen Jeremiah 29 10 bam this is a month of encounter everybody says yay amen and boom start to encounters but you don't understand for you to have those encounters someone paid a price those encounters don't just come like that those encounters with wisdom don't just happen like that there's a price that needs to be paid so if you look at him God says hey listen I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me which means those 20,000 bulls and those 120,000 sheep all of them carried one prayer before God it was a prayer of peace it was a peace offering God lift he, he offered these these things as a peace offering God I want to be in peace with you I don't want to be your enemy what, do, you, do you understand what's happening here we are righteous before God because we have peace with God that's what the Bible says so when there is such an extreme offering that is offered before God it triggered a, a wisdom to visit him again and when it triggered wisdom to visit him again, wisdom begins to give him promises. And if you read through the chapter, chapter 9, it's absolutely phenomenal how God says, I was with, as I was with David, now I will also be with you. And if you hear my voice, actually, let me, let me read this to you. It says, verse 4, it says this, Now if you walk before me as your father David walked, listen to this, in integrity of your heart, and uprightness that's righteousness to do according to all I have commanded you and if you keep my statutes and my judgments then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel this is this is phenomenal because this promise is tailor-made for him because he's a king and for a king it matters that his kingdom whatever he has started continues into the next generation and God is giving him a generational blessing on the condition that he has the integrity of his heart, he walks in uprightness and does everything that God commands him to do. Now, that is wisdom communicating to us today. When we have a desire for wisdom, now, the reason why wisdom gives us blessings, the, way, the reason why wisdom begins to, uh, to um, exalt us and give us honor and riches and all that kind of stuff is only because we have integrity of heart when we communicate with wisdom. We have, uh, uh, we, we stand in righteousness before God when we communicate with wisdom. And we also do everything that wisdom tells us to do. This is the sacrifice, ladies and gentlemen, 
that we make. The ultimate sacrifice for you and me is obedience. Whatever wisdom tells me to do, I will do it at any cost. Kelsey and I have lost a lot, but we've gained so much more because wisdom was leading us and wisdom restored us. You must understand that. It's a, today it's a joy to, to suffer. It's a joy to, to, to go through persecution only because we've understood how God functions, how wisdom functions. When we embrace wisdom, ladies and gentlemen, there's a price to pay. A lot of times people think, hey, you know, I'm going to go after this wisdom. Man, this series is awesome only because I'm going to get something out of it. You're also going to lose something. Actually, you're going to lose a lot of things. All the things that you loved that God doesn't love, you're going to lose them. It just went quiet in the room. Everything that you loved that God doesn't love and doesn't have, that is not in His will for your life, has to go, buddy. And that's the exchange. Oh, I love this iPhone. Oh God, I love this phone. I love this watch. No, John, you got to give it up. Bless somebody. No, I love it, God. Please, I paid so much money for it. Give it away. Okay. When you give it away, wisdom sees your heart. And now that becomes an offering, a peace offering, because you're already in righteousness becomes a peace offering before God. And now God looks at that offering at the value. Oh, I love that so much. Give it up. I love that guy, that girl so much. Oh my God, give it up. But God, it took me so long to get a boyfriend or a girlfriend. God, please. Now give it up. It's okay. I've got a better one for you. I've got someone so awesome for you that you will experience me for the rest of your life. I, I, I don't think, <laughs> yeah, I, I want that one. Yeah, I want that promise because I've got it, ladies and gentlemen. I've got it for the rest of my life. For the rest of my life, I get to live with wisdom. I get to live with understanding. I get to live with God, God's counsel in my life. But I had to give up. I had to give up. I had to stay with the purity of my eyes. And I had to give up and not giving my heart away so cheaply to people. Because I could give my heart away to wisdom. If you were to ask yourself, Solomon, 22,000 bulls, 120,000 sheep. That in itself is a massive church service. How did he organize all of this stuff? How, what was the guest services like for that, that church service? Can you imagine if today all the people who are worried about uh, the climate change, can you imagine the amount of smoke from burning 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep? What would those people say? Who cares? This is before God. This is an offering to God. But what if I told you that there is a higher sacrifice than 22,000 bulls and 122,000 sheep? The ultimate sacrifice, the highest sacrifice was human sacrifice. 
And so wisdom chose to become a human being so that that human being could pay the highest price, shed his blood, die on a cross, a gruesome death, so that you and I could have wisdom living on the inside of us. In the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. What Jesus did on that cross, what, what Jesus what Christ did on that cross, ladies and gentlemen, to the world is foolishness. But to God and to His kingdom and to people who, are, who understand that I've had a, a, a salvation experience, but I'm working out my salvation every day through fear and trembling. To me, it is the very power of God. See, wisdom comes with power to accomplish the will of God. And when you embrace this sacrifice, when you embrace the, the ultimate sacrifice, the most expensive sacrifice where God laid down His life for you and me, when you embrace this sacrifice, now that sacrifice begins to communicate to God, your Heavenly Father, on your behalf. It says peace. There is now peace between God and man. Anyone who believes in the crucifixion of Jesus, anyone who believes in that message, the message that that cross communicates, it's communicating a message to God our Father, saying peace. There is now peace. There is now the price has been paid. No more. Do we need to have sacrifices? No more do we need to have any offerings. No more do we need blood to be shed. Blood was shed once and for all. And now anyone who believes in this message now begins to communicate to the Father from the ultimate sacrifice. And now wisdom begins to approach you, ladies and gentlemen, because there's a price that has been paid. The ultimate price by the Supreme One. See, wisdom is a supreme being. And because of its supremacy, Christ had to pay the ultimate price so that you and I can receive God's supreme wisdom. And when we receive God's supreme wisdom in our life, ladies and gentlemen, it transforms us into who Christ is today. Not Jesus before the cross, not Jesus on the cross, but Jesus who's been resurrected from the dead. This wisdom begins to communicate not to you, not like you're a sinner, but you're a saint. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, I'm a saint. I'm a saint, come on. In the book of James chapter one and verse five, Jesus' brother James says this. He says, if any one of you lacks wisdom, he doesn't say go and sacrifice. 
He says, ask of him. Ask him who gives without restraint. You know what that word restraint means? God is not holding himself back when he gives you wisdom. See, when you think that it's up to you, your sacrifice. Oh my God, it's up to my sacrifice now. I've got to give him two hours and 40 40 minutes of the day and so that now I can get wisdom. No, ladies and gentlemen, the price, the ultimate sacrifice is already done. There is peace between God and man. But every time you give an offering to Christ, now that offering goes to the Father through Christ. See, when you and I bring our finances and we say, God, this is, this is my love offering, I'm giving it to Christ. I'm giving an offering to wisdom itself. Paul says that, that, that Christ is, we preach the message of Christ and the message of Christ is the power of God and is the wisdom of God. So Christ is the wisdom of God, ladies and gentlemen. And every time you give an offering to Christ, you're paying a price to Christ and Christ now begins to communicate to the Father with your offering. So when you come and you put your offerings in the bag, when you put your tithe, you call it your tithe, you want to call it your love offering, your trust offering, uh, you want, whatever you want to call it, your seed, whatever you want to call it. Or you can even talk about your your, your gifts, your talents, your, 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 you know, your music and your, uh, your, but the most important gift offering that we can give to Christ is our time. Because it's the one thing that we can't get back right now. Unless God does a supernatural thing, a time-bending miracle, and He restores time back to us. But actually, He's expand. God doesn't restore past back to us. He, he extends our future to us. So when you offer to God, God extends your life. Okay, so when you give an offering to God, you might be, you might have two, like the widow, who have two, two mites. You might put that little offering in the bag and now God looks at it as, wow! Wow, man, she gave me everything. Why? Because that offering goes through Christ to the Father. That's why you give into the body of Christ. That's why you come and serve the body of Christ. That's why you build the body of Christ. Everything, that's why you take your time right now. You're investing time that you're not going to get back into, into the body of Christ. Why? Because you're paying a price for wisdom. And every time you pay a price for wisdom with your attention, with your understanding, with your desire, with your heart, you're building your well, you're going deeper. When every time you do that now, wisdom begins to come at you according to the full measure that God gave Christ. See, the wisdom is given to the one who pays the ultimate price. So Christ has received all the wisdom of the Father. And because now he has received all the wisdom of the Father, when you sow into Christ, now you begin to receive wisdom from Christ. When you give your time, you begin to get time back. When you give money, he begins to restore finances to you. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a, oh, this is an investment model. Now I need to do this. No, no. The heart's desire is for wisdom. The heart's desire is, God, I have something that I want to offer to you. Money is fallen in nature, but when it touches me, it becomes renewed. It becomes holy. It becomes sanctified. I'm bringing a sanctified offering to you. I'm not just bringing 10%. I'm bringing a sanctified offering to Christ's body so that now Christ can take that offering before the Father as you. And so wisdom begins to communicate to you wisdom comes to you according to the measure that you offer to him not just 
about the amount of money or the amount of time or wow you know I'm so gifted and I'm giving my everything to the church no it's the value that you place on the message of the cross it's the value that you place on redemption it's the value that you place on justification it's the value that you place on sanctification it's the value that you place on righteousness the value that you place on it determines how much you give what is your honor that you give to god see the when you honor christ when you take communion when you take that body when you take christ's body and his blood and you hold it in your hands what goes through your mind is it a method for healing is it is it a, is it a is it a recipe to have a better life or you are valuing the message of the cross it's foolishness to the world man what are you drinking grape juice and cracker like what what are you doing man like what what is this this is there's nothing no no ladies and gentlemen to me this is the very body that was broken for me this is the very blood that was shed before me i am giving this as an offering ladies and gentlemen we're partaking of it but we're giving it as an offering before the father and see every time we do that there's an exchange there's a trade that takes place Every time we we give him something of the old we give him something that we value he begins to give us something he values what he values is wisdom he values wisdom because to him it's the supreme thing what is supreme to him when you create a well of honor for what god values now he begins to fill your well he begins to fill your bank account he begins to fill your refrigerator he begins to fill your family he begins to fill your kids he begins to fill your mind he begins to fill your company with wisdom and wisdom is a principal thing it comes first because wisdom is supreme so today we bless you church we love you man i'm telling you this series has been phenomenal we just declare that you will receive every word and you will begin to walk in the fullness of what god has for your life kelsey and i love you and we declare love upon you have an awesome week bless you